Iowa basketball loses two players to the transfer portal, including a starter. This is actually good news. And spring football has begun. We hear from Kirk Ferentz today, all today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon, and thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Network, your team every day. We got you covered as we talk Hawkeyes basketball offseason. Spring football is here. And, of course, the Iowa women's basketball team continue to play on as we get ready for Friday night and the matchup against Colorado. A win puts them in the Elite Eight with Ole Miss and Louisville waiting on the top side of the bracket and a potential run to the Final Four. Well, we got a lot to get into today. We'll break everything down Hawkeye-related in the news. We kick things off with the news from earlier uh, on the day on Wednesday as two Hawkeyes have entered the transfer portal. We kick things off. No surprise at all. A year ago, Josh Gundelay, the big-bodied man from across the pond, he was in the transfer portal, couldn't find a home or maybe a place of his liking. Regardless, he was welcomed back and went out there and had an injury plague season where we just didn't see a whole lot out of Big Jelly. He was always a fan favorite. He was a guy that provoked, provided a couple of moments in his career. Came in there, banged around a little bit, played well in the Big Ten Championship game a year ago against Zach Eady. Did some things at times, disappointing. I mean, I, the hope was always that he was going to develop into a little bit more than those two to four minute spurts that we get out of him or any game situations where we're just hoping the big guy would put one in the bucket, but it just never happened for him. Didn't put in the requisite work to rechange and retool his body. And because of that, it's going to be one of those guys that'll be remembered, but not remembered for the right reasons. The other one, of course, is a loss out of the starting lineup. And that is Aaron Euless. Now, a lot of people look at this on the surface and say, boy, you lose a starter at the point guard position. This is an absolutely, this is a big blow for Iowa basketball. I, I couldn't disagree more. We saw glimpses of Aaron Euless, but what we've seen throughout the three years in an Iowa Hawkeye uniform is he is not a starting caliber point guard for an elite Big Ten team. He is fine, but just that fine. Look at the numbers throughout the course of this season. Average six points a game, a couple assists, and a rebound. I mean, that's all that you're getting out of Aaron Euless. If I was going to make that advancement, we always hear year after year, right? We get to March Madness, winning games in March, you need elite guard play. Aaron Euless is not an elite guard. He's not even close to it. Adequate backup? Absolutely. But he was thrust into the role this year. He gets the starting line, line nod over DeSante Bowen, the freshman, coming in. Of course, Joe Toussaint transferred, ended up at West Virginia. So he wasn't part of the program. I think he saw the writing on the wall that it was not going to be his job going into this season. A lot of people thought it was going to be DeSante Bowen. And though we saw DeSante Bowen play well in a little glimpse in the NCAA tournament loss to Auburn, your number one was a disappointment for him. They have a walk-on there and Nimmers, not your prototypical Iowa walk-on though. A guy with a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed, a lot of size to him. He put out a highlight video the other day that I know Oud and Odd. Remember, it was a highlight video. They didn't have the lowlights in there, and you always have to take those with a grain of salt. But the big news of Aaron Euless departing here, I'm fine with it. Now, you look at this Iowa roster. We know that it is going to be Chris Murray departing. He is going to be off to the NBA. He's going to move on, see so how that component of it. But right now, this is what Iowa has 
for scholarship players that played minutes a year ago. Josh Dix. Glimpses? I'm all right with Josh Dix, right? I, I think you can see certainly a future for him and a guy that can help you out in a backup point guard role. I don't think he ever develops into a starting type of point guard, but a guy that can fill in five, eight minutes a game, something like that. If you need him, I think he'll develop into a very nice two guard. You have that ability, the shooting ability that we saw out of him. Really smart floor game. What he did defensively against Indiana in the game at Carver, that always stood out to me of what he was doing on that end of the floor. Now off the dribble, he still got work to do, but also remember, he was recovering after a very devastating injury from a year ago. I think you're still going to see a lot of good basketball out of Josh Dix in a Hawkeye uniform. Peyton Sanford. We know Peyton Sanford had the shooting slump this year, was able to shoot out of it. I think this offense, depending on who they get in the transfer portal, is certainly going to be geared towards Peyton Sanford and getting him the most opportunities to get shots up. You think back early in the Fran McCaffrey era, you know, a lot of the things that they did with Matt Gatons, I think you can see a lot of those similar things that are going to be happening for Peyton Sanford, his development. He's got to be better off the bounce. He's got to see more versatility to his game, become more than just a shooter. And he has done that already throughout the course of his career. There's definitely more steps and more upside to the game of Peyton Sanford. DeSante Bowen, we talked about him a little bit. He is back from a year ago. He's got to take a big step in year number two if I was going to be out there. And if he's going to get that starting point guard job, you know, what is Iowa doing in the portal? Look at the names that they have been interested in, some of the names that have been thrown out there. A lot of big guys. No surprise that is big guys. Also, we've seen a lot of combo guards, small forward scoring guards, that type of thing. Not at the point guard position. Does that mean that they think that Bowen's going to be the guy? We will see. Maybe it's Brock Harding, the incoming freshman. Patrick McCaffrey back. We talked about Patrick a ton. Uh, Riley Mulvey, I don't know. Maybe it's a big guy that the light bulb suddenly comes on. And you're number three in the program. Hey, it happened with Les Jepsen, right? Maybe. We'll see if it happens here with Riley Mulvey. And finally, my man, Tony, Tony Perkins, TP, uh, back. Those are the six guys on scholarship from a year ago that'll be back with this team for 2023-24. This is an opportunity to retool the roster. This is an opportunity to retool Iowa basketball. You know, one of the reasons that I always have so much respect for Kirk Ferentz is though, yes, he has a lot of ways that he does things, and he's not going to budge on them. Zone blocking scheme, that's not going to change. Those are, there's certain definitely pillars of the Iowa football program that aren't going to change, but he's willing to adapt. We haven't seen a whole lot of adaptation from Fran McCaffrey. And that is my question here this offseason, because what they've done is very good. Look, Iowa would have been in the tournament back in 2020. Five straight NCAA tournament bids. Eight out of ten years. These are things that haven't happened in the Iowa program since Lute Olson. Lute Olson was the last coach that took Iowa to five consecutive NCAA tournaments. Dr. Tom missed four tournaments in his 13 years as a head coach. There is a lot, and there was an 11-year gap in between the Sweet 16s, and everybody talks like it happened year after year. That wasn't the case. They win the first game and then lose in the second game, almost where we are. Now, of course, this year, in the last two years, that didn't happen, but Frey McCaffrey has done good things. But in order to get over that hump, and I think this program can get there, the development that we've seen out of McCaffrey and this program, I think there is another level they absolutely can get to. Is Fran willing to put in the work? Is he willing to make the changes necessary to make it happen? That remains the big question. We'll continue on here. Iowa basketball, Iowa football today. Of course, we get ready for Friday night and the Iowa women against Colorado here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Today's episode of Lockdown Hawkeyes is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Well, as we continue to make our way through March, the tournament heating up, and it's the perfect time for you to download the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. New customers, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back into your account if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three-pointers. Drain, told you, I, I like a lot uh, coming up in the games this evening. I'm all about UConn here tonight. I, I think they got a big opportunity on Friday. I'm on San Diego State. I think the Aztecs are going to make a big, big run as they face off against Alabama there. The Xavier Texas game, I think, is going to be worth the price of admission. I'm on Florida Atlantic. Look, you can do all that. You can bet on that, but you can also combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout individual games with their same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Very important. Fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel. Trent Cotton back with you again here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. So we talked about Aaron Eulis and his departure to this team. It's just the numbers never worked for Eulis. It Look at the game log for him. First of all, your point guard. Last three games, the three disappointing games, for Iowa to end the season. They lost to Auburn, lost to Ohio State in the first game of the Big Ten tournament, and the regular season clunker against Nebraska at Carver. He didn't have an assist in any of those games. He's your starting point guard. He played 16, 17, and 13 minutes in those games. Didn't have an assist. Put up three points. Total. In three games. It's just not good enough. He didn't have more than two assists in a game since back on February 12th against Minnesota. He had three in that one. He had the stretch against Ohio State, against Michigan State, and against Rutgers where he scored in double figures. But that was basically it. It just, it was not a good season for Aaron Eulis. He was not the guy that is certainly going to deliver. And in Fran McCaffrey's offense, when when your numbers are that, that poor, two assists a game as a point guard in the Iowa system, that's not good. There's no way about it. Wasn't a great shooter. He was an average defender. Now I think that's more scheme than it was talent on that side of things. But he was miscast as a Big Ten starting point guard. Backup, absolutely. You can get by with Aaron Eulis as your backup point guard. You can't with him as a starter again if we're talking about this program ascending and going to another level. A lot of names that are out there right now. B.J. Mack, he is a transfer from Wofford. He released his top 10 the other day. I was among those top 10. Some big uh, prospects as well. Big-bodied prospects out there. A big guy from the Ivy League playing at Yale who has a big-time suitors after him. But I was involved right now. I I was absolutely involved, and they are very interested in augmenting this roster. It's a chance to retool. But is anything going to change? And back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with Fran and and what he does with the program. And they have to be – they have to have a better identity on the defensive end. You know, we see that pressure defense from – and again, our, our memories are tainted a little bit. I always bring up Dr. Tom because I think the comparisons are, are so apt to what this program is today and what it was during the 90s with Dr. Tom Davis. And and we think of the defense and the full court press and having 
Chris Street at the front of it, and having the big body, long arm, power forward up there, Jay Webb waving his arms around those guys, and, and seeing that, and, and Russ Millard, and on and on and on. We think the great moments and the mini spurt that you get, you get a couple of steals and Carver gets rocking and you're right back in the game or you extend the lead and all of a sudden you're up double digits. We think of those moments, but also remember there was the negative side too. And it was that flat two, three zone. And it felt like anybody could hit a thousand three pointers and usually more times than not that they did. It wasn't perfect by any means during that era. And, but there was an identity, right? There was an identity attached and, and, If you're going to be as poor as Iowa is year in and year out defensively, and it's not always a physical thing. Iowa basketball is not going to out-athlete guys, right? I mean, one through five and one through eight or nine, whoever's playing on the roster, that's not Iowa's identity. That's not who they are. Is they're going to go out there, they're just going to beat you because they have more athleticism. That's not the way this team is built. That's not the way that they recruit. They look for skilled basketball players. That is what Fran has identified, and that's what he develops year in, year out. But on the defensive end, it wasn't just the physical nature where a guy gets beat. Get beat off the bounce, guy gets to the 10, what are you going to do, right? Tip your ball cap and you move on. It wasn't so much that. It was the lost nature that we continually see from Iowa. Doesn't matter if they're in man, doesn't matter if they're in zone. The rotations are brutal for a Big Ten program year after year. The missed assignments that they have on the defensive end of the floor I would like to see that attacking style continue. Now, more than anything, what I'd like to see is for Fran McCaffrey to go out and do much like we saw John Beeline do at Michigan early after the early portions of his tenure. And he went on and he found a defensive coordinator, Luke Yaklich, who did an incredible job. And suddenly Michigan went from a very solid program, kind of like Iowa at that time. They're good. They scored a ton. They were on a 1-3-1 zone. It was terrible. You get threes in the corner against it every single time, and they were bad on that end of the floor. And they went out there and coupled with better talent, but also a lot better defense. And they made two Final Fours, and they played for a national championship, and they lost that one to Louisville, but that one ultimately was vacated. That aside, they got over the hump. They did it by swallowing your pride, understanding that there are certain things that you don't do well, and bringing somebody in to do that. Now, I don't have hope that Fran McCaffrey will do that because he is a very prideful guy. And he's a guy that believes more than anything that he will be able to figure this out, that he's going to get it done, and he's going to do it my way, right? Uh, Cue up the Frank Sinatra. He's going to do it his way. I think it's short-sighted. Ultimately, I don't think that he's going to be able to do it alone. I think he needs help to get this team defensively at the level they need to be to take that next step as a program. But this is the opportunity right now. You are completely reshaping your roster. Now, after we've seen this happen a lot with Iowa basketball, a big change in the roster, a big turnover, and it feels like it's going to be a rebuilding year. Go back a couple years ago. Luca Garza goes on. Joe Wieskamp, those guys off to the NBA. Oh, they're not going to make it back. Well, we saw Keegan develop into an All-American. And this year, my expectations were they were going to be a bubble team. Right side of the bubble, wrong side of the bubble. They were going to be a bubble team. They were going to be a team that goes into the final week or two right on the bubble. They were better than that. This year, we talked about the roster. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for them to get there. Now, that depends on the portal. And we will get into those names here in the coming days on Lockdown Hawkeyes. We'll continue to break things down, get you some of the prospects that they are after, and they'll be identifying. We'll get a deep dive into that as we roll through here because it is an important time 
four freshmen coming in in next year's class. Six scholarship players coming back as we know it right now. And that is assuming, and that is an assumption right now, that nobody else joins them in the transfer portal. We've seen some crazy ones in the past. Ones that you don't see coming, not just in the Iowa program, but in college basketball in general. You just never know. So don't be blindsided because as we have learned, anything can happen. Guys that you think are signed, sealed, and delivered and coming back for another year, that is not always the case. There's work to be done, and there's also work to be done for the fan base and the Swarm Collective. Look, financially, most people donate their money to the collective, and they have it for football. There are not many people that are investing right now and listening to Brad Heinrichs, who runs the Iowa Collective, and reading some of the things that he has said. There just is not anything close to the amount of money that is dedicated to the basketball side of things. And that's where people, they want their money on the football side. Well, if you want Iowa to get over the hump, the reality is, you got to pay. You got to go out there and you got to you got to pay to get those big time prospects. We saw it a year ago with Fardaz Amok, who ended up at Texas Tech. Now he's back in the portal again. But we've seen this happen before, and it's going to happen again here this spring. If you want Iowa to have those players, you got to pony up. That's just the reality of the situation. Wrapping things up, speaking of football, with a little football talk, Iowa football had their first practice yesterday. We'll talk a little bit about Kirk Ferentz. He met with the media. Some big news and notes from Kirk Ferentz as we roll through here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent kind of back with you one final time on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Hey, hit that subscribe button right now on YouTube. If you're a podcast listener, Five-star reviews, that's what we're looking at over there. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. All right, let's get into what we heard from Kirk Ferentz today. And a couple of the biggest takeaways from the press conference, first of all, is the injury concerns. The wide receiver room, it looks scary once again. Now, we know Brody Brecht is overplaying baseball. I have long maintained that Brody Brecht should never be back on a football field, at least in a uniform, maybe over the intermediate fields, he can go over there and dominate a little bit in the fall, but he should not be. He's a multi-million dollar pitcher. He's got a multi-million dollar arm. Some of the things that you see with him and what he does, not just the 101 mile an hour fastball that he has, but coupled with just that Frisbee slider that he throws up there, the off-speed stuff is elite. Yes, he's got to be better controlled, but there are scouts out there that maintain he is not just a first-round draft pick when he's eligible for the 2024 amateur draft, but he'd be a first-rounder this year. Well, that's not going to be the case. Some people believe he could be as high as the number one pick. I've seen a couple of scouts talk about that and go back and forth about that idea. He has so much upside as a pitcher and what ultimately he can become because of the million-dollar arm. No more messing around with football. Well, there's another blow to the wide receiver room for Iowa. Great news, obviously, getting a veteran back, Enrico Raggini. But Seth Anderson, there's our transfer buzz that we had coming in from Charleston. Excitement. All right, this is a guy that certainly put up big numbers. You're excited about that? Well, he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. It is, once again, a scary, scary look. They When the portal opens up again for football, and it will May 1st through the 15th, a much shorter window than they had back in the wintertime, but the window will open up again. There is no doubt. Iowa has to go out there, and they still need to find more in the wide receiver room because there just isn't anything there. Jacob Bostic, I know they're excited about him. Dude can't stay healthy. He wasn't healthy in high school, hasn't been healthy since he's been on campus. He's battling another injury, a foot injury that he's going through right now. That's a guy you just can't count on at this point in time. 
We're looking at walk-ons. We're looking at you know, the same old, same old, the Alec Wicks of the world. It's hard to get excited about those kind of guys. There's a kid from Wisconsin, a walk-on, that they were talking about a little bit today in the press conference. I mean, well, let's be honest here. You're going to chase down Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, but those kind of guys, the reality is that's not likely to happen if you're going to be doing that and trotting those kind of guys out there every single time. The offensive line was a disaster the last two years, and now well, it sounds like they're practicing with seven scholarship guys right now. Okay, that's a problem because they need reps. The young guys that you're hopeful maybe can break through. And we saw some breakthrough moments a year ago. Mason Richmond, of a bad group, he was the best of them. Now, that's not great, but hey, somebody had to be the best of a bad group, and that was him. But we definitely saw a jump from him last year during his sophomore year. Now an upperclassman, you think that development's going to continue. Well, we're going to have, have a lot of those stories. And though they bring in a Rusty Feth, he'll be coming in this June after he graduates from Miami of Ohio. Dejan Parker is going through spring practice. That's good as he comes in from Saginaw. You have those guys out there. Still, the question marks remain. And, and if your offensive line is not going to be good, the offense is not going to be good. And we can yell about Brian, and we can play complain about Spencer Peters, who, oh, by the way, we got something on that uh, coming up here. But ultimately, it comes down to what you do up front. I'll complain about wide receivers. The tight ends are going to be good. Awesome to see Eric All is out there. Now, ultimately, it comes down to Cade McNamara as well. And Cade McNamara still working his way back from the knee surgery that he had back in his days when he was playing at Michigan and working his way back. He's going through seven-on-seven. He's not going to be a full participant. They don't want to have any contact. They don't want to have anybody falling around him, anything like that. It's seven-on-seven work, no pass rush, anything like that. That's what you're going to see out of Cade McNamara here during this spring practice, and that's fine. You know what Cade McNamara is. And Cade McNamara, he's not a guy that's going to, go out there and wow you with arm strength. He's not going to be a guy that you say, oh, this is completely different. That's not what it is. It's leadership. It's understanding. It's smart. And it's accuracy. Things that don't always show up in a seven-on-seven scheme as comparison to what you're going to see on real 11-on-11 football. So that's a good, just a couple of things there. Mention the quarterback position, though. So I told you guys, back when it was announced that, don't worry, yes, Spencer Petrus is going to remain on scholarship for the spring semester, but he's having this major surgery. He's not going to be out there. This is what Kirk said today. Quote, I don't think he'll be playing, speaking of Petrus, but we'll see. We'll let that thing play out. It is it is that infection that Kirk just can't get rid of. I know Spencer Petrus is a great person. I understand that. He's a terrible quarterback. He's a bad Big Ten quarterback. And there is some blind spot that Kirk has about him that he just can't quit him. I think it is bad for the program if he has come back for his final year of eligibility, even if they don't think he's going to be able to play until the end of the year. Yes, he's going to be a backup. He'll be a third team. He'll be a fourth teamer if he can't physically throw the football until October, something like that. But there's too much baggage here. There's too much. There's that dark cloud. That surrounds Spencer Peterson. Again, not as a person, but with the fan base and these bad feelings that we just have about him. The best thing is for it to end. Move on. If he wants to give it a go, if he wants to go somewhere else, do your damnedest to go out there and help him out and find a spot. It just can't be here. It's not good for the program. It's not good for the fan psyche. Let's be honest. That's where we are right now. I'm reading that, I'm shaking my head, but am I surprised? 
Well, I told you guys not to be. And here we are. Here we are as well. Iowa getting ready for the Sweet 16 in women's basketball. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Also, some recruiting talk. That's right. We got John Garcia stopping by tomorrow on the podcast. He's going to break things down and look forward at the 2024 recruiting class on the football side of things. Iowa already with three four stars in the mix. We'll break them down and some of the big prospects that the Hawkeyes are going to be looking at on tomorrow's podcast. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every single day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Our experts, Isaac Shotty and Andy Patton, bringing you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you can hear from the big names, the experts, the players, and the coaches all throughout college hoops. Lockdown College Basketball, available right now on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks.